welcome to episode nine, our Martin Havlat episode of Off the Tape podcast here. I'm your host, Spencer Ash Jones, being joined by the big three here. Start off with our co-host, Stefan. How's it going with you, bud? Pretty good. Uh, I just want to know why Martin Havlat? Because it's episode nine and he wore number nine. I feel like there are a lot of better number nines to choose from, but I guess if we're going Ottawa themed, we got to choose him and not Milan McCulloch, right? Yeah, yeah, I suppose uh, right along there. Well, I don't know. That's a good theme, a good little theme of uh, Czech Republic and Czech, or Czechia players now wearing number nine for Ottawa. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I actually can't think of any other number nines off the top of my head right now. I don't know if there's any. I current... mean, though the one that just got bought out, so you know. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, he wasn't number six anymore. That's right. No, he was sixty-nine in total. So from six to nine. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll get another one here from our. Uh, our third member of our trio here and our editor tibet how's it going bud yo yo i just want to know who's martin havlat <laughs> <laughs> he's a former nhl player he's a drafted by the ottawa senators in the organization for a long time running and uh, eventually moved on to what was it chicago minnesota san jose and i want to say there's one more in there all-star but, guy Ah, no, I don't think he ever made it to the uh, All-Star Game appearance. Mm. He, he just wore a number, because we actually forgot to do this last episode, and uh. whatever the episode number is, right, we come up with a player name, and, and <laughs> we had all five of us. It would have been great with Seal and Yuzo coming up with a number eight of some sort. Yes. <laughs> well, do you have a number nine for us, bud? <laughs> Give me one second. Entering into Google. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Wait, just ask um, Google there. Nah, man, I'm not Googling nobody, man. I'm just <laughs> thinking. Um, Ovechkin? Oh. That would have worked last episode. <laughs> that would have worked last episode. Well, you said number nine, didn't you? Oh, man, our, Gosh. Poor, our poor engineer is so confused as to what you yeah, it's It's the VR sickness. I'm still... I can't <laughs> even Google any right now. So, you know what? I'm just going to say um, Johnny Johnny Buchik. <laughs> Oh, at least he tried to say boy chuck. Boy, that's boy chuck. <laughs> no, I got it. I think it's somebody else because boy chuck wears number fifty-five. <laughs> B u c y k. B u c y k. Yeah. Busick? I don't even Buchik. I don't even know. That's what, what I said. It's an old timer. Way, way before our time. <laughs> see, I know my things. Big brain. <laughs> yeah. No, but how do you pronounce his name, bud? <laughs> Buchik. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll give that to him. I, I guess we can't really be too mad about That's that. That's the only name for the surname game today. Yes. <laughs> he, did it, he did it to himself, too, which is... Yeah, that impressive. was an unintentional surname yeah, game. Yeah, Johnny Buchik. Yeah, I think that's him. Yeah, yes. that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flex so Matt, on the you, you, Could you at least tell us what teams he played for, if you have that? As he types it in again into Google. As he Boston. Oh, Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, if he is misreading Johnny Boychuk, I am going to come over <laughs> no, to his I'm house. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, John, no. There, there was a Buchik who played back in the day for the Bruins. Okay, sounds good. Sounds I good. didn't know he wore number nine, but uh, I guess Tibet obviously knows. Yeah. I am big brain. <laughs> All right. Did your Oculus Rift tell you that? Yes, it did. <laughs> Well, and especially over the last week here, with all the hockey news that's going on, we got, uh, you know, even to catch up, maybe we may have forgotten to bring it up last episode, just caught up in that golf story of uh, the lads here, 
But, uh, yeah, you know, we've seen a couple of GMs hired. We've seen a new coach hiring. We've seen uh, now recently another trade has occurred along with our first buyouts of this awkward offseason that we're currently in. Yeah, I think awkward and, is the uh, right way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and another uh, big, not big name, but another, you know, interesting name that got signed to an extension as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, first... Uh, We'll go back. We'll go to the Washington Capitals here, where they announced that they hired Mike. Uh... Yeah, it is Mike Laviolette, isn't it? No. Peter, 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 Peter. Peter, yeah, yes, <laughs> Peter Laviolette to. So that's uh, surname <laughs> game is getting to you now. You're just, you're just trying to mix up your uh, white surname. I got the last name right. I can just <laughs> complete wrong first name. There you go. The first name game. That's it. <laughs> Well, yeah, so the Washington Capitals announced that Peter Laviolette is their new head coach now after they had fired Todd Reardon after a couple seasons. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one there, Steph? Well, I just know that I am happy that Washington is going to have a head coach that always has color in his hair because the amount of dye that man puts into his hair is unparalleled <laughs> in the NHL. So I just wanted to get that out of the way first. So congrats to the Washington Capitals on that one. Second, I think it's something that we've talked about with Peter Laviolette. We've seen with his teams, you know. It just seems like, and I don't want it to come off as me bashing him in any way, but we kind of see any team with him taper off in their third and fourth season. And I just have to wonder if that first season is that bump and that jump and that energy boost that a team gets from a new coach, just having a new voice in the room. And then the second season is is they kind of settle in and understand his system more. But I don't know what happens with teams that lose him in the third, that that causes him to lose teams in the third and the fourth years. I mean, we saw that with Nashville, I think, partially. So I don't know how good it is. We'll have to see. I'm on the fence about it. I was hoping they would have gone with somebody new and not recycled a uh, one of the older guys that, that's been around for a while. But So I don't know. How about you? What do you think about it? Well, it's like you said there, you know, the points about where he started. It's almost like a Peter DeBoer kind of effect where he's yeah. really good in his first a couple seasons with his new uh, club and then it does teeter off and i think it's just that point just you kind of maybe lose the dressing room with just the same tedious message coming across and it just automatically goes in one year out the other but you know with carolina hurricanes uh, his second year they won the stanley cup Uh, his first season with the philadelphia flyers uh, he was hired midway through the season and uh, you know they went all the way lost in the finals Uh, it was also his third year with nashville when they lost in the first round of the playoffs, but you do see a drastic decline after that, you know, after his first few, first few years there, it's it's a massive decline from the success that they had reached uh, compared to, uh, yeah, what winds up happening. Um, it, is also inter- it is also fairly interesting, though, with the Washington Capitals, where previously they had hired a number of their previous head coaches with a lot with less or little to no coaching experience in the NHL. So when you go back to Eddie Olchick, uh, Peter Boudreaux, no, sorry, Jesus, Bruce Boudreaux, Adam Oates, uh, Todd Reardon, uh, and yeah, Barry Trotz is the only one who had previous coaching experience. But of those five names I mentioned there, four of the five had zero NHL coaching experience. So they've always been very, I don't want to say very cheap on their head coaches. I think it's just whatever the budget was that they could offer salary to the head coach of their team. Yeah. It just always had to be someone with less experience because that's all they could afford. 
So, and then again, we saw with Barry Trotz, right? He ended up walking because they weren't willing to give him more money. So mm-hmm. here they are willing to cough up a little bit more for Laviolette and makes sense when you're, you know, when the Ovechkin bathroom era is winding down. Yeah, and I think maybe that's to your point there. Maybe they went back and saw, well, hey, we hired Barry Trotz. He was experienced. He won this the cup. And yeah, we know that Ovechkin wants quite a bit of money, as we've heard, uh, in UFA potentially next <coughs> after next season. So why not have uh, have Peter Laviolette give them the boost here and try to have them make a run? Because, I mean, they're destined for the playoffs. We all know it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm excited to see how Washington does this year. I mean, we, they were a good team this year, and they got bounced there by the Islanders. So whether they can come back and kind of forget about that is going to be interesting, yeah. Yeah, and we'll bring our, uh, you know, we'll go to the Sundogs, you know, Arizona at the Coyotes, where, you know, all the problems and uh, on misfortune they've had uh, happened during this pandemic in yeah. the offseason. season where they they just announced that they hired their new GM uh, again completely forget his first name now but Armstrong is Bill Armstrong yes as their new GM uh, the Arizona Coyotes he was formerly the assistant GM with the St. Louis Blues so this is his first time being a general manager of a team and I think it'll be fairly interesting to see how this goes about just it's just such a tough task now and i think that's what some people are saying was how anybody who wanted that position with the coyotes it's gonna be a massive test where you you know as we previously mentioned yeah. uh, in episodes no draft picks practically over the next three years yeah. uh, sorry over the next two drafts we're only looking at one draft pick and it combines first three rounds for the next two drafts yeah um all these players all their big name guys are looking to be moved because they have to cut ties and massive massive budget cuts so it's a lot of moves you have to do and like they've essentially has come out saying that yeah anyone that's 25 and older they're available yeah whether they haven't it's it's crazy to me too no no it's crazy to me too because you're right it's one of those things where you can't some gms come in and you know they have this first draft and they'll have maybe six or seven sure picks maybe they've acquired one or two extras and you can kind of make that immediate impact, put your imprint on these are the players that I initially selected. And we always talk about how GMs love to hold on to those picks and see them develop in their system. And he's just not going to get that chance, which sucks a lot. And it just puts him between a rock and a hard place, especially down in Arizona. That's pretty easy to do if you go hiking and get lost uh, get lost in the desert over there. But uh, 127 hours, if you know what I mean. But uh, yeah, I would say that he is going to have a really, really hard job. And I'm, yeah, I can't comment, but but you're right. It's just going to be poor him. You know, in a way, it just sucks because if he gets fired in two, three years because Arizona wasn't patient, it's just on them for putting him in that situation. Well, also part of the, the transaction deal that was discussed and agreed upon between St. Louis and Arizona is that. Um, because of Bill Armstrong going over and becoming the new GM with the Coyotes, he is not allowed to participate in any decisions during the draft. Huh. Basically because St. Louis doesn't want any of their input or thoughts being allowed to be taken by the Coyotes now. Oh, okay. But so, what stops him from getting... What stops him, especially because well, it's America, it, from attending well, a barbecue? It, well, and that's telling- it's like behind closed doors, he could just highlight a name... 
you know, on the hundreds of pieces of paper that they have on players and prospects, you know? Yeah. It's just like, he technically didn't say anything. He just, oh, man, maybe this guy's kind of interesting. Or maybe this guy, I, I, I know. It's, you know, the finger quotes there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's such a weird thing. But, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I can't really comment further on that I, one. I, I think it's personally the toughest general manager position in the league. Yeah, it, it it was always like top three, I think you could say, just because of all the budget, uh, or having to deal with the like smallest budget in the league, not entirely knowing who your actual owner is, and always losing money every year. Yeah, you know, not making a lot of money or much profit because you barely sell out your hometown crowd unless you get an original, uh, excuse me, original six team playing your barn, then they fill up the entire seats, and it looks like it's, you know, the Leafs and Ascends game here in Ottawa. Yep. <clears throat> but, uh, no, that one's going to be uh, quite the handful there. And as we mentioned, there's also a second GM hiring that happened as well over the past week, where Columbus assistant, or formerly Columbus assistant GM, Bill Zito, has been hired as the new GM of the Florida Panthers. And, you know... He didn't wait long as he pulled off a trigger, a trigger trade, or it pulled off a trade immediately, uh, where he wound up trading Mike Matheson and Colton Sevior to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Patrick Hornfist. Yeah, it's just one of those deals where, you know, I think he just wants to bring in another, a vet, a guy that's won the cup, put him on the team. They have a couple guys on the way out in Dadnov and Hoffman, so you want to plug in one of those holes immediately. And I think I, I think this is good for both teams, but I especially think putting your imprint on the team right away is something that a GM always wants to do. And he didn't want to wait to the draft. Apparently, he wanted to do it right away. And yeah, good good on him. I I don't see a winner in that trade, and and I think he's gonna be great. I mean, the Columbus working under uh, Columbus's GM there was probably a uh, a treat. I forget his name. It was a Kekalainen or something like that. I don't even remember what his name was. The Finnish guy over in. Uh, over in Columbus, but uh, it's yeah, uh, I'm I'm just excited to see what he does because it seems like Columbus had started building towards something pretty good, and if he learned anything from there, he'll only continue to add to what Florida, like Florida's depth. They have such a, still young superstar forwards there that he shouldn't have any trouble. Well, before Bill Zito was uh, the assistant GM at Columbus, he was actually a players agent. Oh, really? So so that should actually be kind of interesting. It comes to handling contracts because uh, he huh. knows in and around that part of the game, you know? Huh. And even before he made the trade, like he's had a very busy 7, 10 days on the job where even before he made the trade, he actually hired uh, former Minnesota Wild GM Paul Fenton to be wow. his assistant GM. Okay. And, you know, uh, we'll get to, to bet, uh, you know, uh Huh? <laughs> Tibet's uh, reaction to this, but Paul Fenton was hired a couple of years ago as a Minnesota Wilds GM. Uh, he was originally okay. the assistant GM in Nashville, and sure. a, a lot of the stuff he was saying, because of course when you're the GM, you know you're always you know given the attention by the media there. Uh huh. So he ended up signing one of their players that you were trying to pronounce his surname last week, and Matt Zuccarello at the Wild. Zuccarello, yes. And uh, yeah, Fenton basically went along the lines of saying that he that they went out and signed Zuccarello because he's basically like uh, like a lizard. The way he's able to use his tongue, like a huh? like a like a lizard uses its tongue to get the puck and me. control things. Oh yeah, this is what he went that's, on saying and everything. That's disgusting. <laughs> word for word. 
<laughs> That's really gross. <laughs> well, imagine that your G, you know, you just started your new team, and yeah, your your boss, your GM, just you know, said that you're you resemble a lizard. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder if they had some other deal. Well, so uh, so basically, yes, Paul Fenton was hired as a new assistant GM there as well. Uh, in addition to that, Paul they also hired Paul Fenton's son, PJ Fenton. Okay. Um, the only way, the only reason why I'm bringing up his name is that there was. Oh my God, uh, my brain is just not working right now. Uh, ne- yes. Um, sorry. So yes, how back with Minnesota, Paul Fenton, being the GM, actually hired his own son to be the head of their scouting department. Uh, you mentioned this um, to me before, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When when his son had virtually like no experience whatsoever mm. with any pro team, or like very very little experience in any management or scouting role. So it's just, uh, you know, it, it just kind of screams a lot of nepotism there. Yeah. So oh, the yeah. fact that now his son, PJ Fenton, has now followed his father to Florida here as well is, uh, you know, it, it's a little interesting to see that going along there. And again, the reason why I bring up Paul Fenton is because Paul Fenton was, again, the former assistant GM with the Nashville Predators. He was actually one of the more vocal guys in wanting Nashville to select Patrick Hornfist. In the 2005 draft. Huh. Okay. So, so all, all that came around. Can, so yeah, it, yeah a little long again to the whole point of what I want to make here, but a little yeah. backstory too. <laughs> yeah. But because as, as some of you may not know, Paul Fen- uh Jesus Christ, Patrick Hornquist was actually the last pick in the 2005 uh, NHL draft. Oh yeah, that's right. He was thirtieth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember that. And that that draft is no, deep. no, not thirtieth. Last overall in the draft. Oh, I heard last in the first round because I okay. Oh, sorry. Last overall. Okay. No. Oh, wow. Wow. Last overall. God damn. I don't feel like yeah. doing the math, but that sounds like two hundred tenth to me. Uh, I think it was something like two hundred eighth or something. But okay. Pretty close. Yeah. For uh, for a guy like that and everything, and you know, hey, he's won two Stanley Cups, and again, just that connection with you know Paul Fenton drafted him back in '05, and here we are 15 years later and now he's acquiring them to be on his uh, on the same team again here now in the sunshine state yeah and i mean he's gonna be on the wing like i think that that's gonna be their first line you're looking at huberto barkov horquist likely to be the top line so two <laughs> two um, yeah oh i saw your yeah. fingers i th- i thought you were give- i thought you were trying to tell me something else but i was really confused for a moment there but uh just in case you guys are wondering, the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs are obviously ongoing in the background, the finals, and uh, it's two-two in Game Four right now. That is where that, well, is, the, that is the current time is, we are recording this podcast. In case everybody's wondering, this is good and not good at the same oh, time. Oh, actually, that's a sick goal. Braden Point, second of the game. Okay, get away. You know what? Honestly, the fact that he's just getting so hot right now—if they win this game and go on to win the next one—that's going to remain in the media's mind, and you just know that that's going to be a determining factor in the. Well, I mean, just his goal right here and knocking the puck out three Mid-air. feet up in the air. Yeah. Oh yeah. If he could get if he could get above fifteen goals, that's going to be. Yeah, that's going to be nice. Above fifteen, no one has scored sixteen or more in the salary cap era. Well, I mean, if, if the way he's going tonight, you get another goal, you put him out there for an empty netter, but we're getting we're getting into that territory, right? Do well, I cash out? <laughs> the bet is having a heart attack on whether to cash out his bets. Um, but yeah, no, because uh, going back to the trade there too. Yeah. Is uh, yeah, gotta say how um, because it, it definitely seems like Florida is gonna let Mike Hoffman walk and hit the free agent market there. Yeah. Um. 
a little surprising to see, but it also seems like Evgeny or Yevgeny Dadnov yeah. will also be testing the free agent market, which I find a little interesting just because he had a lot of great chemistry with Huberto and Barkov there. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering that they really, really put out a lot of effort just to retain the guy's rights, because yeah. he was initially actually drafted by Vancouver, by the Vancouver Canucks, and Florida acquired him back in 2006 as part of the Luongo trade. Yeah, okay. So the fact that it took that long, uh, you know, he popped over, I think, in the very early beginning there, then went to Russia for a few years before finally coming back. Like, he's not a young guy by any means, but for a guy who can put up a good, like, 60 points and at least have that chemistry, you know, and uh, having at least ex- a lot of experience, at least playing pro hockey over in the KHL. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see that, there, uh, that it seems like he might be walking. Um, they have you know, but... No, Sorry, gonna, go on. I, no, I was going to say, since you were bringing up all these players that are potentially on the way out, I was just going to say Zito comes into an... In, he's in an interesting position because he has all of these expiring contracts this year. I mean, I think half of the forwards that were there are either RFAs or UFAs right now. Uh, but I think it's interesting that, you know, in two years, he has Vetrano, Achiari, Barkov, all going to be UFAs, all need to be resigned. And Barkov's making just a shade under $6 million, and, and Strawman also becomes a UFA in that year. So you're kind of thinking, okay, well, Strawman's 34, on the way out. He's going to have to throw a whole lot of money at Barkov, especially if Barkov has another insanely good year this year and next year, for example. Or, sorry, if he has this insanely good year next year. You're looking at a guy that's going to be getting 11 to $12 million, even if it is a flat cap, because you know that he's going to continue to get better and that the cap is going to start growing again. <laughs> Like, oh, but it is easy. Florida, though. That taxes, though, could be even less, maybe. Yeah, I guess you're right. But, I mean, as we talked about a couple, a couple of days ago in our um, in our, in our Skype chat, it, it's a lot of people see that tax in, in Vegas and in, in, in Florida and think, oh, well, that's the place to go. But there are easy ways in, up in Canada to get the exact same amount of money. And it also, just to add, the fact that the Canadian dollar is, in the U.S. dollar difference right now is absolutely amazing for Canadian players. Also, just a bonus. So, like, you know, it's it's kind of interesting uh, to kind of to kind of say that. But I personally think that he's going to be able to ask for a whole lot, like over ten million. It's just interesting Oof. for Zito. He comes in with a lot with a lot of decisions to make within the next three, two to three years with a lot of big names. Well, even to circle back when you're uh, about Strawman there, it, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if Strawman is even bought out uh, over the next couple weeks. Oh. It's just uh, it's $5.5 million capital for two more years. It's, as soon as the deal was, or as soon as the contract was signed uh, last offseason, it was yep. seems quite a bit for you know the 34-year-old uh, Swedish defenseman there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know it's uh, so it's you know his play has declined a, li- a fair bit, but I think on a good team, he would be a solid five six guy, and just know like maybe be able to pinch in there as a number four, but he's no longer like a top three or even a guaranteed night in night out top four guy there. Yeah, I mean they got Bobrovsky at ten million. I mean Ekblad's obviously a, a stud. He's going to be around for a while, so seven point five million is a pretty good deal there. They got Yandel, who's thirty four, who's above six so i mean they're gonna have to find ways to maneuver if some of these guys start to really fall off here i mean you hope that bobrovsky stays healthy until he's 38 at 10 million you know so it's gonna be an interesting time in florida for him i don't i don't know it's it's i think it's a tougher situation than it seems to be put in he obviously has a lot of great young players there but 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, well see. a huge shout out to, uh, you know, a local native, Saron Noel, who could potentially look to make the team within the next couple of years. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, yeah you know, definitely with some young guys like, you know, Alexi Hepo Niemi. Yeah. As I mentioned, Saron Noel, Owen Tippett. You know, they have a few good yeah. forwards that are ready to come up and everything. Um, you know, and they especially also have <clears throat> all their draft picks still couple extra ones here an extra third and another fifth rounder but uh yeah you know i think i don't know i i think bill zito is gonna lead them a good way and again you have joel okay. quenville there and that's very attractive coach for most players to uh, want to come play for yeah yeah i guess you're right i guess if you do take into that take into account that whole tax thing of maybe having a cheaper contract if you get one or two really strong vets who are still playing really high level hockey in there to play with joel quenville that's really good so hey you never know you might be right yeah, and uh, you know, and how about we bring our attention north of the border now with some off-ice news as well. And yeah. The Montreal Canadiens announcing that they have extended Jeff Petrie to a brand new uh, contract yeah. for an extension of four years at a $6.25 million AAV. Whoa. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be regretting re-signing him to that uh, there. Like, I don't think Mark Bergevin is going to... It's an extra 700 and. 50 uh, salary raise. Yeah. So how old is Petrie now? He's 30... 32 right now. 32. Yeah, that's not bad at all. I mean, I think he's just been so solid on the back end. Uh, I mean, he came in and he had no, he had that immediate impact. And he, he played so well. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that the Canadians got better with him there. Um, and just, just a cool little stat that I saw earlier. So... The defensemen with 10-plus goals and 40-plus points in each of the last three seasons are Petrangelo, Yossi, Hedman, Carlson, Burns, and Jeff Petrie's on that list too. So that is a super cheap contract. Yes, he's maybe past his mobile and athletic prime, you could say, but obviously his IQ has put him up in that category. And, I mean, you, ho you hope that that wasn't a one-off in one of those years where he's becoming a UFA, but if he keeps if he does that in two of his four years, I don't think Montreal freaking complains. That's an unreal deal. I don't know, I'm a little not not skeptic. Um, I, I think it's a little you think it's a much? little much the, no. having to pay for them there. I don't know. Um, ju just because in judge, I don't know. Ju just when I look at the defense court, it's like yeah, you know, you just got Edmondson signed there. Of course, you have Shea Weber at you know just under eight million there for the mm, yeah. you know next three decades. Um, and uh, so it's like yeah, you know, you solidify again with your Weber and your Petrie on that right side, but. You know, two defensemen now on that right side, so you know there's no need for Montreal going out getting a right-handed D-man because that side's now covered in the top four. But with both of them being over the age of 32 years old or 32 years of age, uh, I find that's a uh, you know, and again like Petrie, he's really turned it up quite well uh, since being acquired uh, by Montreal from the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. You know, uh, but I think it's a little. I think, yeah, he probably could have demanded or commanded that much on the free agent market next summer. He could have gotten but, more, I think. Yeah, well, because he's, he's done well offensively. And, again, he did really well uh, this past postseason, especially against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't know, because the other thing, too, is with this new contract here is that it also comes with a no-movement clause. 
Yeah, so they do have to automatically protect him basically for next year's uh, expansion draft with Seattle. So that's kind of an interesting thing as well. Well, right? and and they also gave one to Joel Edmondson, Ooh. and you know no one's gonna and, and Shea Weber doesn't have one, but I'm sure Seattle have no interest in taking him. So I'm wondering if they're gonna have the balls to not protect Shea Weber. They they have to, I think, from a respect standpoint. But I'm wondering if Montreal would have the. The, well, uh, I think it could even be like you know someone like Victor Mete, where he could become available by then. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty certain Alexander Romanov would be uh, ineligible because he will be only uh, one year okay. under his uh, belt come next year. Yeah. But uh, but I you know again I think it's just the, the throwing out the no movement clause and you know I I, I thought it was pretty good at five point five there. I would have said I, I thought maybe six million would have pushed it a little bit. Yeah. But again, it's not crazy amounts in my opinion. You know, it's crazy high amounts up there. But I, I think it's uh, you know just just for where he is in his career right now, and you can kind of say having never not a whole lot of other experience uh, professionally, like yeah. going further or or along the ways to a Stanley Cup championship and all, just. I would have maybe rather seen them maybe be able to move him with that much value to bring in either someone who has the experience or someone mm-hmm. who can replace them with better numbers. But that's the thing. So for Montreal, who honestly comes up the, on the right side of their blue line to, to replace him that's younger, that's talented? They, I think in short order, you can't expect anybody to fill in that role unless, like you said, they bring in a vet. But there's no point in bringing in somebody that's more experienced and older, potentially. You might as well keep the guy that's 32 years old uh, and still in pretty good physical condition. I mean, he had plenty... He had a lot of power play goals, and I think he was still... I think he was... I don't remember, but I think among defensemen, he was top 10 in hits or something like that. He's a big guy. He's like my height. He's 6'3", and he's over 200 pounds so it's not like he's a small guy and i don't know it's, it's kind of nice to have that body in the playoffs if you get there i mean it showed for pittsburgh this year we'll see i mean you might be right maybe they're scoring themselves with having the nmc clause on his contract that might be a bit of the tough point that might have been a sticking point maybe in negotiations uh but i think it's gonna i think it'll be okay uh you know assuming he does keep that production up well for guys coming up who could potentially replace some uh you know, like they have their Romanov, who's coming mm. over from Russia, but he's a lefty, um, so I'm sure he'll stick on the left side. Victor Mete, <clears throat> they still have a lot of high hopes and high ceiling for him, and yeah. he's played both the left and right side. And then I know that they do have the likes of Kale Fleury, who's a, who's another righty D-man, yeah. who, you know, he was introduced to the NHL this past season here and there. Um, and then they do have Josh Brook, who's just pre- who just finished up his first pro season in the AHL this past year. So I I think there's some potential there. And like I said, if they had maybe waited to the trade deadline, maybe seen to have moved them. And you never know, a kind of another young guy, another young right-handed team man. Maybe. Or maybe you know, they go out and they get like a, acquire like a Matt Dumba even there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that and Bergevin's done this in the past where uh, he has kind of made this brash decision and kind of looked at what he's had and maybe not thought about those things. Uh, But I just think that at this point, he probably said, well, we're going to be in a flat cap. Maybe a team will be forced to move a player, but I don't see how they would want to take on my guy. 
uh, especially becoming a UFA, especially if he's having another good, like, especially if they kept him in, in, you know, he had another amazing season while it's just driving his price. I don't know. I think that he was just put in a hard place. He didn't see anybody coming up the right side that he could say, well, Petrie's going to be my 1B and nobody can replace him, you know, and I just have to give, I just have, let me give him this four years is okay because in three years, if he's had three really solid years, then maybe I can get something for him. I think that he probably just thought that. I think five years would have been a stretch. I think four is okay. I, I, I would say three would have been even better, but four, he's kind of okay. And I think that he hopes that, that Weber and, 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 him, and him provide stability for the next couple of years and then they'll probably blow it up. Well, when you're looking at having, you know, you're, you got five D-men on the team who are earning $3.5 million or more dollars for five yeah. D-men. One's in the minors. Another one's Ben Shearrod, who, you know, he definitely uh, raised some eyebrows during the postseason this past year, but I, I wouldn't peg him again to be able to carry that same amount of uh, responsibility. And then you have a goalie in Carey Price who's earning $10.5 million for still another six more years. That's the rough one. Yeah. yeah, that's the Carey Price's contract sucks. Like he is really good. <laughs> he was super hot there for Montreal, and, but the problem is, is he just goes so cold and then he's so hot, and it's just is that worth ten million? And never... Father Time came up. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> well, literal Father Time and Father Time is going to hit him even harder at one point when he gets even older. So it's it's a rough one to take on I, I don't know i think that that probably has screwed them more i think that that would give them the availability to have kept petrie and then everybody kind of say oh well okay they can afford to keep him he's still a solid d-man because they're going to get some amazing forwards that can kind of also play well but now they're kind of stuck with that much money on the back end and then go in and net so here's also another fun fact too uh, regarding Jeff Petrie. Yeah. So his father uh, actually played in uh, Major League Baseball. Oh, wow. Between 1979 to 1991. Jesus. So it's kind of funny, you know. It's like, oh, you know, here's a you know guy who played in Major League Baseball for 12 years. And, yeah, my son's going to go play in the NHL. Just uh -huh. kind of funny at that. But, uh, yeah, for Jeff Petrie, he was actually born in Ann Arbor, Michigan in 1987. Okay. And, yeah, his, his dad did play. He actually had two stints with Detroit between 79 to 87, and then yeah. again from 90 to 91. Okay. So it's just kind of funny, again, you know, it seems like, you know, like where that, you know, it adds up, where it's like, yeah, it makes sense. He was born in Michigan, and, you know, it's not like Ann Arbor is exactly close to Detroit by any means, but still within the state lines there. Yeah. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, once we get into our draft talk uh, coming up later on where we, you know, have a little fun uh, business to talk about and the likes of, uh, you know, the Sanderson family there. And just oh. kind of interesting to see with all the where, where you know, where all their families from. But, again, well, just kind of interesting stuff like that. You know, when you see maybe a player is born and if his father, if his, one, if, well, his father or his mother have to be professional athletes and, you know, just their living whereabouts is always kind of intriguing and cool to see. Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting because there's so many different teams that, that you kind of track that you see their sons have been taken over the last even five or six years that we recognize. There's, oh, there was Ulf Samuelson's son. There was Matteau. There was – there's so many – like, I, there's so many – Well, you're Dvorak, kids. you're Fisher. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of you kind of track where the player played and, and where the son was born. And, yeah. We'll when were they – you know, when they were conceived, yeah. uh, you know <laughs> – yeah, exactly. So uh, Tibet looks like he's conceiving somebody right now with his bets. <sighs> yes. 
case everybody forgot, the, our engineer is still on the is, is still here at the podcast. He's just ensuring that he's winning his. Uh, I'm money here making that wedding. money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, but that, that's yeah. So I think in the end, good for Petrie. He's earned his money, um, albeit not off betting. He'll bet on himself and had a really good year, you could say. And yeah, there you go. He he, he got Montreal gave him his his dollars. Yes, sir. And we'll slide. Uh down the highway here to our local team that we all love to talk about and yeah you know and the big news coming out of ottawa today is the first player who's going to be uh going through the buyout window phase is bobby ryan is going to have his contract terminated oh yeah no longer an ottawa senator what a what what a great trade that turned out to be you know uh yeah that turned out to be an interesting one and it's unfortunate, you know, because you saw his potential when he played in um, in, in Anaheim. And I, I think that maybe the fact that he did have Getzloff and Perry there kind of made him shine through a lot more. And and, and Brian Murray, Brian Murray, not the greatest at trades. We, we know that. So it, did, it didn't help that when he did pull the trigger on a big one, it didn't work out. It just turned out into a big stinker. Where we big gave one, us. little one, small one. <laughs> Yeah, none. Nuke, just, just none. Yeah, a uh, nuke of some kind, but it's unfortunate. He never got, he never got his oh, footing. Oh, and, and don't forget about I'm gonna trade for this guy, and before he even hits the ice, or even before he gets a full season under his belt, we're gonna extend him to a long-term contract. Yeah, it was what seven years, forty-nine million, something like that. It was a big seven per year kind of contract, or it was longer than that. Was it eight years? I don't remember anymore because he gone, he gone, so we don't have to worry about it. But uh, yeah, honestly, I think that uh, Spencer sent a uh, pretty funny uh, video to us earlier of myself, uh, Matthew, also known as the golf ruiner now in these podcasts <laughs> as we go forward, and. Uh, yeah, of just how we how we would just essentially just be enjoying ourselves and dancing out on the street if uh, all together if COVID wasn't around. Well, and that was just a thing too, right? Like as soon as <clears throat> you know, it was announced that Ottawa's trading for him, it's like do you, like do you even care about looking what we gave up? It was just the fact that it's like we're getting Bobby Ryan. It's like you know maybe if you look at his stats and his numbers, you can say there's some potential there, but. For a guy who was also drafted second overall and took a lot longer than expected to make it to the league, I think there's a few red flags there. And Brian, Mer- Brian Murray, he, he had so much history in drafting former first-round draft picks. And it's like, you know, why is it every single guy you love to acquire and bring on ship here is always drafted in the first round and, you know, isn't quite living up to that potential and everything? And then we see, you know, he gives up, you know, Silverberg, and he gives up the what turned out to be the 10th overall draft pick. Yeah, and I thought there was something else in there too. That was well, a yeah. three part. Oh uh, yeah, it, it, there was just quite a bit in that deal. But I think now in the end, there obviously uh, Eugene gets to save some dollars as he loves to do. Uh, yes, sorry to interrupt. There's also Stefan Nason. Oh give it a man, Silverberg, a first rounder, and a recent first round draft pick. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. It just sucks too because the guy actually had Stefan spelled correctly for the first time in my life. I met another per- non-Serbian man who spelled it correctly. Uh, actually, we should have had to. We should have had Tibet pronounce all those names in that trade there. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I think he would have been pretty good. I I think. Yeah, maybe... for Nick Ritchie shirt. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, imagine if I got Riyosh that one Kuk. wrong out of all of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I I don't know. Hi, he would have said uh, Jacob, not Jakob. 
Yakub. Actually, he's been, he actually, actually, Tebek got pretty good at saying "ya" for the J in the certain yes. game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him up. I'm gonna give it up to Tebek for that. So Spencer, you're gonna next time we play that game with uh, him and Yuzo, you're gonna have to look for some non uh, non Norwegian, uh, non Scandinavian players for these two. I mean, it's yeah, we've caught on. Compile like third of the players in the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, back to Bobby Ryan. I mean, I, I was delighted. I. All I heard though was that he's a he's a great guy. So and 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 you know obviously what he went through last year is is super unfortunate. But it's good to see that that he's better now and, and feeling better and on the other side. So hopefully you know I guess you could say uh, well wishes in your future endeavors, Mr. Ryan. But now we don't have to worry about you in next year's expansion draft, and it just gives us a little bit of protection. And I think. Uh, one of Spencer's kind of favorite things about uh, him leaving is also the fact that he is the last man who was on that team back in 2017 that made that run. Mm. Yeah, since uh, the Ottawa Senators uh, went on that run in 2017, there are officially no players uh, who are playing like full time on the team or no or any who are still on the team now. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> oh, and then that was the other thing too, where it was officially said. Where again, where you know, Steph and I were dancing with joy when the the news that Dorian officially said that Anderson was not going to be brought back either. Yeah, and with so and, clean slate. Oh, exactly. Like you know, it's, what what's going to be the you know things happen in threes? Does that mean Melnick is selling the team now this week? Oh <laughs> lord. Oh, I think but that. He... <clears throat> I was gonna say, I think that I think that even if COVID was around, that the arena would sell out the, the, right after Melnick was gone. I think people would just probably, buy 20, but people would buy twenty thousand tickets for the owner just not to show up if they could, if there was a new one. <laughs> well, so uh, one, so I also think there. Well, so so just going back to Bob Ryan here too, but like, it, it was just I don't know, like just personally for myself, it just never seemed like Brian Murray ever made a good trade, no matter yeah. how much stock or value the guy had, and here you are. For Bobby Ryan, where he played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven friggin' years with the Ottawa Sanders. Seven seasons! Not once did he ever record 30-plus goals. Oh. Only twice he put up 20-plus goals. 23 and 22, respectively. Yikes. All the others were 18 or less. Even this past season, you know, again, it it, it was a good feel-good... Or Bobby Ryan, he had his moments with his feel-good stories... Uh, you know, great comeback here, uh, overcoming his alcohol um, abuse problems there. And back in, I think it was 2014, yeah, it was 2014, but when Brian Burke uh, was a GM of the Team USA for the Olympics and <laughs> didn't announce he would play, and Bobby Ryan, you know, scored the very next goal. But, of course, it's like, you know, oh. you do all this, but even still, it's like, you know, it's, there's just never like what was a prime example there was something about bobby ryan and it was either like the team or was so many players just following suit or how it's like he he goes out there but you're always wanting more yeah kind of a thing and it's never ever showed for maybe all but six periods an entire season well you could say that the place that it showed was when he wasn't getting paid which was during that playoff run because he actually ah. was most consistent in that run and you kind of go, well, I guess if Ottawa made the playoffs every year and he scored 20 to 25 goals in those years and he ultimately played well in the playoffs and we consistently made the playoffs with him, you could say, okay, well, the playoff, the, it paid dividends. But 
yeah, you're right. We just always wanted more. That was just the ultimate case. And a guy that's paid $7 million that's supposed to play top three minutes as a forward, not delivering you that, that's somebody you buy out at the end of their contract. It's just over $7 million. You should be getting like 35 goals or at least like yeah. at, at least something 70 points a season. And the most he ever had was friggin' 56 points. And that's $7 million like seven years ago, which is insane. You know, yeah. like, that's insane. Like then it's 40 plus goals. So it just kind of, it never happened. Everybody was kind of overwhelmed because they thought, well, oh, look, Bobby Ryan's going to come. Alfredson will also stay. They'll be able to make a run. And it just never happened, obviously. So just well, a they never played storm. a game together. Well, exactly. Yeah. But that was the thing. He tried to respond to that Alfredson news with that. But then every, but, you know, like, it just made no sense. There's a lot of mistakes that were made there and, and I think that finally now with Dorian creating that clean slate since he's come in, I think that this is where – this is – so Ottawa was kind of obviously with their with their play and the amount of points that they were getting in the standings, obviously we trended down to near rock bottom this year, right? So it's it can only go up, I think, from here. I, I, I think we'll, we'll have a better year this upcoming year. We're going to have these top two – we're going to have two top five picks come into our system – and then another one in the first round that we can take our time developing to come in in a couple years when the team is maybe even getting hotter. It, it, there's just so much going for us right now. Deep goalies in our farm system. So many goalies in our farm system. Our defense is looking really... There's just so much going for us now. And just to get rid of Anderson and get rid of Bobby Ryan, it, you just feel even better as an Ottawa fan today. It's just one of those things where at the end of the week, you kind of go, oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, we're going to be doing so well in a couple of years, and now we have this draft coming up. So, yeah. Uh, well, it, re it really is, like, turn of the face for the organization where it's like, yeah, you know, when you look at, here's Bobby Ryan, Craig Anderson, two of the longer tenure t players on the team who are now gone. It's like, yeah, it's a whole new page. It's a whole new decade coming on now. Yeah. Starting off with the new, like, official, like, Shabbat Kachuk era, you know? And where it's like... Well, it's just like, yeah. you know, sure, they've been here for a couple of years, but now it's like really, really officially their turn as like the big name guys because there's no one who's earning more. There's no one who's taking the bigger spotlight and everything. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, none of these guys will be cutting themselves with a steak knife or anything or, yeah. you know, they both can pronounce their S's and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but no, for real, um, I think that keep in mind that – the pick that we are about to choose with at number three, whether it's Stutzel or whether it's Byfield, because we know it's one of those two guys. If they deliver throughout their career in Ottawa, for example, you totally forget about Eric Carlson in a way. You know? <laughs> I've already had for about four years now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but But what I'm saying is from a production value, if we finally get that forward who outshines what Spezza did from a production standpoint, and Heatley in a way. I'd say Alfredson, but Alfredson seasons were obviously, his role was way different over the years. His production was, was high, but I'm talking superstar level, two-way forward, high production over, over like I'm talking past Alfredson's 1,000 points in their career. Well, you know what's actually funny about Alfredson? He only scored uh, 30 plus goals only three times in his career. Hmm. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If we get a guy that can get us five or six 30 goal seasons in 15 years here, and he gets us a cup, you you just go well. 
holy shit, like Pierre Dorian, obviously really great job, but you, this is the turning point. He's right done here. better than Murray. No, he has. I, I absolutely agree. I think he's personally done absolutely amazing since he's come in as GM. I think he obviously got flack from some emotional snowflake Senators fans when he <laughs> traded Eric Carlson. Uh, it's it's one of those things where you just always oh, have all to wait of the and fan see. favorite ones. Every yeah, time, I know. Oh, we, we, we should no. bring. Who was a recent senator that just got bought or is on the market or something right now? Hoffman. <laughs> ha. <laughs> no, he'll sign with San Jose. Um, <laughs> Eric Contra? Just kidding. Oh, no. Who was it? They're talking about. I, I can't really start naming any because they're already out of my memory, too, Spencer. <laughs> well, they damn right should be because, like, there's a reason why they left, the reason why no team wants them in the league. But yeah, sure. All, all your Snowflake fans here in Ottawa are all like. Oh, we should totally bring him back. It was great. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I I think that people just need to relax and just wait on outcomes of trades. Trades have, there's trade trees which go back decades that you have to just always follow. So you just got to be patient and, and see what's going to happen here, you know. We have we have all these amazing players that we've acquired through trades, partly because of Pierre Dorian in the last couple of years. So I think that a lot of fans just need to shut up and just be quiet. The amount of times I heard people say whenever former Ottawa Senator player did go on the market. Like I remember a couple years back, it was Vermette before he was wa when he was already washed up. Uh, there's just so many guys that, that I saw that constantly popped up for us, for us to, to take back. I think the only one I'd say that should come back was e is Ian Cole personally, but he said CC. Oh, Cody CC. Oh, uh, I think I would get an aneurysm huh. the moment I saw we brought back Cody. Season. Gosh, no, please. See, so, and I think like our listeners can uh, hear my little uh, anger towards uh, the team that I cheer on most and everything. And, and so, a little funny story is how, uh, for I believe it was a yeah, it was a Hanukkah gift from my ex girlfriend five years ago, and she got me a Sens jersey. Uh, you know, whatever Sens jersey, and uh, no name, no number on the back, and she said, you know, I, I would have gotten you one, but you don't like anybody on the team. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny and hey, true. Would you say no to a Kachuk jersey if he re-signed a long-term deal? Well, at the time, I was like, I like Mark Stone. He's the only guy I like on the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I could agree with you there, and it's just, but yeah, honestly, I, I never, and that's my rule, is uh, hockey is one of those Hockey and basketball are just two sports where I would never, ever get a name on the back of a jersey unless I got my own stitched on. Uh, but it's just too risky because especially if it's a superstar who stays two, three, four years in Ottawa and we know he's going to get... Okay, Tibet, that is the exception, <laughs> New Jersey. Right? That is, and, and I know that it might have ended poorly, but him, I was, him Chris he's Neal, Chris Phillips are probably the exceptions in Ottawa. For having jerseys with numbers on them, maybe Curtis Lecision too, because that's just a cool name to have on a jersey. Lecision number seven, which is a great number to have on your jersey. I must it's say, it's like a French incision. Lecision cup winner too. Exactly, but I would say hockey is one of those tough sports where I don't even know if there's any Ottawa Senator that I would have gotten even five years ago that was on the team. Five years ago, hell no. You know, it's just too difficult. I just say empty jersey always looks nice, and yeah, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Well, you know, you go through the hardships, you know, almost like life. You got to go through the shit before you can reach some success there. Yeah, yeah. And that's just what Ottawa and the, the city and the team are having to go the through city. all together here. I mean, just remember, we went through having the 
the word sends put on a jersey for a year and i and i got that as a birthday present so you tell well, we me got a big zero as well in the front of the jersey too yeah i mean that's as many cups as we've won in our history and as many toronto has won in the last like, i don't know if it, i don't know if it years. resembles either how many cups we have or how much money milnick has or just <laughs> you know a whole lot of zeros in ottawa here well it's a lot more than i than i've ever had so <laughs> Hey, that's true, and I think that even with the amount of zeros we have, we can rest easy and know that Toronto has 50,000 more zeros than us and still hasn't won anything, so I think we can all just rest easy on that one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. and we'll turn our uh, focus maybe to the only on-ice hockey activity that is going on. Yeah. And uh, we'll wrap up our episode here with the Tampa Bay Lightning and Dallas Stars, where we've seen them play the first three games, and... I'm just going to gloat a little bit that so far I am three for three in calling how the games would come out. Ooh, so Tibet, have you been listening to him for you for the betting or no? He's muted, I... so we can't hear him. God damn, our engineer isn't even engineering. <laughs> I'm sorry, my Skype disconnected because of internet issues earlier. Uh, yeah, I bet on two of them, I think, and one of them is like right now, so not all of them. Okay. Well, you should. Yeah. I should probably okay. listen more. Yes. Have, yeah, you should probably listen. <laughs> more listen money to, to be made. More. Yeah. Exactly. One hundred percent. No, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm not surprised by the result. Um, it was interesting to see Steven Stamkos come back for a game score and now not be available yeah. for the series again. So it kind of tells you how banged up he really was and how much he just really wanted to be in. I guess it was kind of heart overhead for him or heart over the whole body. Uh, so well, Tibet was, was thrilled of... to see John Stamos come back into the lineup for sure. Yeah, fuck me, it's full house. <laughs> <laughs> I actually enjoy the fact that he knew that. <laughs> yeah, it's because as you type away on Google, no. <laughs> no. I'm trying to get on Bodog, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know certainly the way the series has been going, and especially with uh, you know, personally, I just felt that you know, with Dallas there having a little bit longer of a time off between the third round and the finals here it just seems to be a little uh, trend that's been going on in these playoffs where two teams going up in the like the next following rounds the team that had the longer rest came out a lot it came out flying in the first game of the series yeah yeah uh, but since then yeah tampa bay just completely owns all the play just dominating just very early on in those game two and game three there as we saw them scoring up and again it's you know, the battle of the big stars, you know, where the lightning big name guys, you know, your Kucherov and your points popped up and everything. 3-3, three, three, baby. <laughs> yeah, 3-3. Three, three. And uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Yanni Gord. Yeah. But, yeah, but, you know, just, big but your big name guys, up. you know, your Victor Hedman, where, uh, uh, where as of last game in game three, he actually scored his 10th of the postseason, which put him third all-time for most goals by a defenseman in one playoff run. Yeah. Where the most is 12 by Paul Coffey, followed by Brian Leach with 11, and he's currently at 10 with anywhere from one to three more games after this one, let alone the rest of this game, because Lord knows what happens. Yeah. I mean, oh, they're Tibet's already at... bet won his bet. That's right. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm so Six excited. Goals. Yeah, and I mean Kucherov with another assist there. So yeah, like you said, your big boys are showing up in the and and they're doing it at the important moments. Like that's a power play goal there again. <laughs> the like, finals should have bet a hundred. Well, okay, <laughs> but 
Kucherov, uh, Sergachev. And again, nice. when you look at the Dallas Stars, though, you know, Jamie Benn, nothing in this series. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Sange, I think he's got one assist. Ale Radulov coming to this game had three assists, but he also had multiple penalties taken, too. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, these where sometimes some players, they'll show up in like maybe one series. Yeah. Maybe even, if it's like a death guy, magically they'll show up in a series or so. But yeah. your big name guys, you hope that like in one series they can come out and play anywhere from like three to six games. Like you cannot, you, you cannot expect your big name guys to punch your ticket and be there all seven games if it goes that far in a distance in a series, yeah. you know? No, uh, like and, I think... And... Like, I, like, personally, I think it's, like, you can ask for, like, anywhere, like, as much as, like, three games. Hope your death guys can steal your game and your goalie can even steal the game, you know? Yeah, and I was going to say, the one the one thing about this is just, it's just the depth of Tampa Bay. And, and we, we said it coming into these playoffs. It's just, like, if they could get past that first round and if they start to get rolling, top to bottom, they're just such a good team. And they always have really good starts, to seasons and it just feels like this is almost like a restart of a season that they've had here and and they've just been hot like they just they just settled in now and there's no stopping them you know they, they went down to nothing in this game we all know spencer what's the rule about two nothing leads well it's where it's late in hockey baby and what have we showed in this game that tibet's bet stood, stood against two nothing stood against that rule and, and beat it of course so, or, or followed that rule didn't beat it sorry this series is so, so high scoring i don't understand what the hell's going on like yeah and i mean look at gourd right now and in the, at the end of the second period he's just yip yapping away smiling at him like they just look relaxed and, well yeah because he goes talking to a european guy and they can neither one can understand each other that's but, so but funny still, you know like it's just <laughs> smiling relaxed like you know Braden points just coming off the bench nice and easy like you can just see headman is just intimidating klingberg like, there's it's just they, it looks like they're getting a little bit walked over you can see it in the shots you can see it everywhere like look at gore just go at go at yanmark he's a smaller guy and he's just it's just kind of good to see Tampa Bay being a little bit, uh, you could say, edgier than they have usually been in the playoffs these last Edgy. couple of years as well. So, I don't well, know. And, that, and that's where, again, I feel like a guy like Patrick Maroon brought in last offseason was yeah. a great, you know, addition to that, just for yeah. that presence and having that feel. Because they didn't have anything like that last year against Columbus, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's where, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and again, you know, you talk about, you know, the teams that, will win the series, the teams that will win the cup are the guys who want it more, you know? Yeah. The guys who are willing to put it all on the line, the guys who are willing to do anything and everything just for a chance to get their name on, you know, a silver cup and everything. Yeah. But it, 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 it goes so much more than just that. And just for to be a part of that coop of guys who have their names on the cup, who are part of, like, history and everything like that. And I think it's like, you know, Again, just going in, it's like, you know, congrats to Dallas, winners of the Western Conference there. But there wasn't any, and, you know, again, I'm still completely confident Tampa Bay will win the rest of the series here and yeah. be the Stanley Cup champions. But there's not one team that could ever come close to wanting it more than the Tampa Bay Lightning since last offseason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, know, yeah. And, well, you even just, just see, the last couple you, of years, in general, everything they've gone through. I think if you look at the last four-year stretch, five-year stretch, since they lost in the finals to... What in twenty? When did they lose? Twenty fifteen. They lost in twenty fifteen. Exactly. You could say the last four to five years stretch, no team has wanted it more every year, and no team has been picked more by every single pundit 
and hockey media person than the Tampa Bay Lightning each and every year. Well, I don't so. know, because <clears throat> there's still all the talk they had about other guys like, you know, can Crosby win again? Can Ovechkin finally get over the hump? But, but I really do feel for Tampa Bay, it's just, you know, for all these guys and being, it, it's just getting embarrassed last year by getting swept is like, yeah. you know, the final nail in the coffin there. It's like, yeah. you know, we got to step up our game. And, and the biggest example of that has got to be the maturity factor of, Niki, of uh, Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. COVID-19. Where, oh, for confirmed. <laughs> where <laughs> two <sec>. years ago, <laughs> to, oh boy, where two years ago in the conference finals against Washington, you know, Kucherov was fine for a slash because frustrations took the better part of him, you know. Last yeah. year at the end of game two, he went out of his way and took a really dumb, stupid penalty there. Uh, excuse me. He took a really dumb, stupid penalty. Wound up getting suspended for Game 3 against Columbus. Just didn't help his cause. And now you're seeing it through game in, game out. Whether he gets hit, like you saw back in Game 2 there, where he had to leave the game because of, uh, you know, get checked out and everything yeah. there. Ha. Confirmed. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <throat> me. <laughs> But uh, so so I think that's been the really big factor there is just seeing Kucherov where he's fine and where he's really willing to take the hits, get absolutely beat down, but he's not taking his frustration. He's not letting his frustration get the better from there, you know. Yeah. And when when you have a when when your best offensive player is capable of handling that, it, it just gives everyone else a, lot, a little more poise in their game and everything, and it gives everyone a little extra step in their walk and everything and a little more swag in their game yeah, when when exactly. someone like that is able to keep it under control and able to be able to run and gun like that yeah i think that there's definitely so many factors that have i guess you could uh, that have aligned you could say the stars have aligned for the tampa bay lightning unfortunately for dallas so i that that's as close as i'll get to a pun uh this <laughs> late in the evening but uh, i i think that it's definitely just the the right time the mix of everything I personally think that regardless of COVID or not, that they that they w- would have been in this position, just looking at that team and the way that they have played. So, kudos kudos to them, and I I think that they're gonna finish this game off here in the third in the third period. We're currently watching actually game four in case everybody's wondering. Well, uh, I told well I just told Tibet before the game started that we are uh, due for a game to go into overtime. Yeah, so it surprise hey. me if this one here happens to. Yeah, so you're thinking it stays 3-3 three, three throughout the third, and then we go into 4-4. Mm, four, four. I see even 4-4, four, four, yeah, maybe. 4-4. Four, four. <clears throat> There's been a I, lot I of goals. I still see Dallas being able to pull it out uh, miraculously. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that was... I don't know what the I don't know what the argument was there on Braden Point's goal. I don't know what they're talking about, but uh, that was way below the crossbar, just in case everybody's wondering. I think um, it was just too nice of a goal to do it and too embarrassing in the sensitive well, world we live in now. Well, it was on the lower part of his blade too, so it was it was just below the crossbar. But, but yeah, just just to go back to what you were talking about, yeah, Kutrov just just being a level-headed guy, and also not just that, being the level-headed guy when the captain is not there. That's the other thing too, as Tibet would say, John Stamos yes. has not been around. So <laughs> just the fact that he's the guy that decided to take it on, he was being the best player. He was the best player last year. He just he had an amazing. He had a lot, a very high scoring year this year. Just the fact that you know the amount of leadership he's shown, 
for that whole team is, is is very nice to see and I think that that's just leading leading them forward and Victor Hedman's obviously I mean we don't even have to speak about Victor Hedman he's he's obviously one of the best defensemen if not the best defenseman in the NHL so they have everything going for them yeah you, well and this yeah. will be our this will be our last recording before uh, the cup is un uh, unveiled to the eventual Ooh. Stanley Cup champions but uh who do you think is the old man without a cup that gets it passed on to first Ooh, on both that's... teams, even. Oh, you think both teams, just in case Dallas wins it, eh? Yeah. Oh, da- Dallas so, is obvious. So, so even before we get into that, so for our listeners that may be unaware of what that is, and, you know, our editor. Um, Thank you. It's, uh, <laughs> so it's just a, little, uh, just a little term that people are throwing out there. of Who's the most experienced or the oldest guy on the team that has yet to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah. So when the Stanley Cup is awarded, the captain of the team goes, shakes hands with the uh, commissioner of the league, Gary Bettman. Um, you know, uh, shakes hands, takes a photo. He lifts again. He then gets to lift the cup for himself, uh, and then he passes it on. And it's always seems like you know the second guy who gets it is like the, is the guy who's been around the longest, who hasn't won it. You know, guy who's just been wanting it so long and finally gets his opportunity now. I'm gonna say so. I think Pavelski is your very evident choice on Dallas. Um, I, I think that we can agree on that one, eh? Yeah, there is Pavelski was one. I thought there was another. <coughs> Jesus. <coughs> I mean, there's Rick Bonus, but you know it's going to go to a player first. Yeah. Um, uh, Kudobim. Oh, yeah, actually, the keeper, especially if he steals one or if if they win this game and they tie it up 2-2 and he could steal one of the next two games after that, then you get into danger territory of going, yeah, maybe you are right, maybe it does. But you know what? Has Kudobin lost in the finals before? He's never played in the finals. Wow. And Pavelski has. So (laughs) I think that that will kind of bring it around to that. Um, So Tampa Bay, I'm going to... I'm going to say maybe, I want to say McDonough, Shattenkirk, one of those two guys. I think the guy they will give it to, it's a little difficult to say because he hasn't played, I don't think he's played at all during this playoffs, maybe a game, maybe two, I'd have to look it up, but it's Braden Coburn. Mm. Oh, uh. he's lost in the finals twice he's been around since uh oh good lord he was drafted in like oh no sorry he was drafted in 06 or 07 because he was part of the trade between atlanta and st louis or dougie waits um no that doesn't make any sense but still like you think that maybe even over mcdonough i guess mcdonough's not that old well coburn's like the oldest on the team at like 40 years of age there but oh, <clears throat> it's just he hasn't played any games so I don't know yeah. if you gave it to a guy who do, you know doesn't have uh, his jock on. Yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, I think it is one of those few guys there. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think we can definitely agree on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gonna guess. Well, Tibet, man, who do you think? John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he gets it first. So who does he hand it off to afterwards? Bob Saget. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Bob Saget. Okay, so so one of the real uh, cooler moments of that for anyone that isn't aware, but in 2001, when the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, it was the first time that Ray Bork was able to lift the cup over his head. 
And uh, Ray Bork, one of the greatest defensemen of all time to play in the game, you know, he's only an assistant on the team because, of course, the captain is Joel Sackick. And as soon as Sackick took his photo with the cup, he even lifted it up. He immediately picked it up off the table, gave it straight to Bork for him to be the first one to lift it. And it's just a little mesmerizing, you know, just how much the cup there means. And, you know, I'll probably get more into it next time. Yeah, I'll get into it next time and everything on uh, thoughts with just the Stanley Cup there compared to other sports and all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> other than that, we've got Game 4's second period just ended at the time of this recording. It's tied 3-3. And uh, Tampa Bay's up 2-1 in the series. And we'll see if they're able to extend that or if it's going to be a best – Oh, best two out of three series after tonight. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. I I'm gonna stick with you. I'm gonna go with what you said, Spencer. I think that Tampa Bay will uh, just win it out. They lose game one, and then they'll just do the sweep. But I said Dallas wins tonight, and then Tampa wins five and six. Oh really? <laughs> I thought I thought you said that they were gonna continue to win Tampa Bay, and that it was they lose that game one because, like you said, Dallas comes out flying. <clears throat> but then after that, it's just a sweep. I thought that they were just gonna overwhelm. Them. Oh okay, well we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if it even goes to overtime. But yeah, I think other than that, I don't really think that anything else is really going on in hockey. I think people can only look forward to us talking about the draft coming up in a couple weeks. So that should be exciting. Yeah, we will release. Uh, you know, some draft discussions, some free agent discussions right before the draft hits. And uh, other than that, <clears throat> I think that will pretty much conclude our episode here. Yeah. Tibet, do you have any uh, additional thoughts on uh, what's happening right now with your with the NHL Finals besides all the bets that you have? Uh, Not really. I, honestly, I'm just rooting for Tampa at this point because fuck Dallas. I don't know why, <laughs> but I hope they win. Okay, fair enough. Well, I guess uh, before all of us go to bed, I will let Tibet uh, take care of the uh, take care of the goodbyes. So see you later, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, thank you for listening to Off the Tape, episode number nine. We hope you enjoyed that little one there, or actually, it was pretty long. Uh, you can always follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Off the Tape, and listen to the podcast wherever podcasts are played: YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, all that goodness. So, hope y'all keeping safe and have a great day, you beautiful people.